0: Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, So um, about two weeks ago, I guess about two weeks ago exactly, I uh, started a series entitled I Need a Miracle. And uh, I I really sense like everyone in here needs a miracle (laughs) because our faith uh, should not stand in the wisdom of men. It's so unfortunate what religion does. Religion will make you really pay attention to men and women. Um, and uplift them and turn them into heroes and pastors, become celebrities, and all of these other types of things. But our faith uh, should not stand in the wisdom of men, good preaching, good teaching, good books. Our faith should stand, the Bible teaches us, in the power of the living God, uh, that we are very thankful for um, wonderful men and women of God who teach us and serve us in Scripture Uh, But we don't believe in Jesus just because they told us to. That we believe in Jesus because we've seen his miraculous power. Uh, that we have seen the power of God come through. And that's what a miracle is. It's not something spooky. It's just where God breaks through the natural and does something only he can do. And how many of you are ready to see something only God can do? Uh, Like, I want to see God do something in our nation that only he can do. I want God to do something in our church that only he can do. Uh, And that's what a miracle is, and we need it. And now all of us need it, but I really feel like there are some people in here who really need it. (laughs) They they really need to see a miracle. And uh, honestly, you know, in our Western uh, world, we limit oftentimes the power of God to material things. Uh, And unfortunately, our version of Christianity has taken that to an extreme of God-like doing material things for us. Uh, And our faith should be so much deeper than that, like we should see uh, God to do something internally even more than we want to see God do externally. But with that being said, uh, I really feel uh, oddly enough uh, to tell you, especially in this service, that God wants to do a miracle even financially, uh, that the whole ministry of Jesus was one that canceled debt. And what I mean by that is all of us through our own actions and behavior and sins, how many of you understand you're not perfect? Do we have anybody at any location today that understands you're not perfect? Uh, That accumulates a debt. When you sin, a debt was accumulated. And in the Old Testament, a lamb had to pay the price for that debt uh, so that the people could walk away with freedom from it, debt-free debt free Uh, And through Jesus, he is the lamb uh, that was slain before the foundations of the world. Uh, And that out of that, when Jesus died on the cross, it eliminated our debt. And in scripture, we see this play out uh, across all the the arena of life, of of God taking upon us uh, our, our not just sin, but sickness and disease, but also the New Testament teaches us that he became poor, that we might be rich. And rich is not a bad thing. Rich is also not a millionaire. Rich just means a full supply. Uh, That I am not stressed out by what is going on in my life uh, physically. I am not stressed out about what's going on in my life relationally. And I'm not stressed out about what's going on in my life financially. That Jesus came for total salvation, peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. Uh, and I really sense as if, for, for many of you, you have, maybe even through your own mistakes financially, accumulated some debt. Um, and I just sense as if the Lord wants, in his goodness and in his mercy, uh, to redeem that and to help with that and, 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 and to exercise miraculous power to help you in that, to manifest his goodness to you. But here's one thing about miracles is they don't fall on our laps uh, and just happen because God wants them to happen. Um, somebody somewhere must get in faith. It's ironic to me in this teaching, it's, it seems like it's evaporating off the earth, which is, is, and the only word I know for it is dangerous. But like even this morning, I was reading an article that I found very interesting. It was entitled, The God of the Midnight Hour, and I was reading this, and of course, it's referencing, you know, this moment in Acts where Paul and Silas are in prison and at the midnight hour, God moves and sets his people free, which is awesome. Uh, that like we just sang here, the chains hit the ground all over this place. That is actually where that song came from was this passage of scripture that Paul and Silas were in prison and enchained and, and God moved so strongly that the prison doors were open and the chains fell off them. How many of you know, once again, God wants to release you where there is nothing binding you. There's nothing holding you back from running your race physically or relationally or financially that you are Free. This is the the tone of Jesus. The label of Jesus is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. How many of you know Jesus wants you free? (laughs) God wants his people free, not captive by anything. And the, the, the article was talking about this, and it said, you know, just hold on, because God's the God of the midnight hour. Uh, And that, you know, sometimes God doesn't show up when you want him to, but he'll show up, you know, later sometimes rather than sooner, uh, so don't give up. And there is obviously the spiritual principle of faith and patience, but I was disturbed a little bit by the, the article by labeling God as the God of the midnight hour, like God waits to the last minute to help his people. Um, Because when you read the scripture, it doesn't say uh, like God just moved at the midnight hour and that was his label. It said, and at midnight, uh, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God so loud that the other prisoners could hear them. Uh, And uh, when they did this, they saw God's miraculous power. And so instead of labeling God as the God of the midnight hour, why can't we see in that scripture that it's not God just intervening at midnight because he wanted to wait to the last minute, that it was at midnight that Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. So God is not the God of the midnight hour. God is the God of prayer and praises. And whether that's at 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, that when God's people begin to move towards God, God begins to move towards his people. But there is this undertow that I feel like it's like everyone um, getting passive with their faith and kind of like waiting on God. And one thing that you see about the people in scripture who saw miracles, they were not people who were like waiting in their houses for Jesus to knock on the door. It's women with the issue of blood that are like, you know what, I'm pressing through whatever I gotta press through to get to this. It is guys saying, I know Jesus is in the house. And they're like, there's no room for you in here. They're like, we will go through the roof. Like it was people who came to hear and be healed. It was very active people. It was people believing to see a miracle. And I just want to break passivity off of us. Like, we can't control the whole world. But let's break passivity off of us and contend to see the goodness of God in the land of the living and to see miracles. I want to see a miracle. I want to see God do what only God can do. And everything that I read in Scripture shows me that the people who saw miracles were people who got in faith and I know we like to think that like there's a bunch of people in faith but the reality is is that the bible teaches us faith is precious it is not near as common as we think it is it is not out there like we think it is that there is always a multitude thronging Jesus and getting nothing but there are people who have a touch of faith that when they lay hold on him they receive power that flows through him and what I want to do is, in your heart, is to position you in that, 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 that state, that you are not just one of those who will throng Jesus today. All around the world, there are millions of people at church and uh, listening to Christian podcasts and Christian music thronging Jesus, but I want, you, I want to turn you into a person who does not just seek closeness with Jesus, but turns you into a person that knows how to lay hold on his promises with faith. Um, And this is what I I just kind of want to teach on today and just kind of establish this in you. Because in order to see a miracle, uh, proximity to Jesus is good. But with that proximity, at some point there must be a touch of faith. And I want to position you to give God that touch. Uh, So a number of years ago, uh, I guess it was 15 years ago actually. It was right after uh, me and my wife's first anniversary Uh, we decided to take a date. How many of you know you should still go on dates? Amen. Dates are a good idea. And this was before kids, so we could go on a date whenever we wanted. What a blessing. (laughs) So out of this, uh, you know, you have a little bit extra money, uh, and uh, you don't have to find a sitter or pay a sitter or any of those kinds of things. So we went to a a nice dinner uh, here locally, and at the dinner, we were sitting there talking. And we were uh, fellowshipping, and I want to encourage you to do this as often as you can, fellowshipping about our greatest hopes and dreams. And you must do this. Uh, The spirit of the world, and it's been here ever since, you see it all the way thousands of years ago with the children of Israel, it's like they have a moment of dreaming of like, let's go to a promised land, and they're super excited about it, and everyone's like, yeah, we're going, and they're rejoicing and all these kinds of things. But the spirit of the world began to have an undertow where all they began to focus on and see was not their greatest dreams, but it was the problems of the present and the old glory of the past. And so instead of like going forward and looking at what can happen and being excited about a promised land, they are discouraged, they are disheartened, uh, they are upset. These are not happy people when you read about them. Uh, They have lost their dance, they have lost their bounce, they have lost their praise. Have you? Is there a lightness about you? Is there a, are you anointed with the oil of joy above your brethren? Is there a peace to you? Is there a, a, a hope to you? Is there in the middle of the darkness a great light that is shining in you? For the children of Israel, they lost that. And the reason why they lost it is instead of talking about their greatest dreams and desires and talking about a promised land, their attention, and this is one of the currencies of heaven, is attention. Their attention got on the problems of the present. It was all they talked about. It's how bad it is, how rough it is, how unfair it is, how terrible it is, how our leaders don't understand us, and there is no good leadership here, and it's Moses's fault, and it's Joshua's fault, and it's all these other people's fault, and they begin to want to stone anybody who's positive, <laughs> like all these kinds of things, because they're like the present is negative. And then it's like we we need to go back to our past, like at our past, that's where it was awesome. And it's like you were slaves there, like in your past, there was Pharaoh there in your past, and it was Egypt there, and they're like, we know, but we had melons and we had leeks and all these other things they talk about because the spirit of the world wants me focused on the problems of the present and the old glory of the past. But the spirit of the Holy Spirit's a different spirit. It's a spirit of vision and dreams. It's showing you a world that does not exist and has not existed yet but you will lay hold of that world and bring it into your present. This is the language of God, visions and dreams. And somebody says, well, that's for special people. No, 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 no. He poured out his spirit on all flesh that your men and your women and your sons and your daughters would be anointed, speaking about the future. They will prophesy, speaking about the future and dreaming and seeing it. Uh, So when God gets on you, there are two areas he'll touch. He'll touch your mouth and he'll touch your mind. And when he touches your mouth and your mind, you will talk about the future and you will dream about the future. Come on, somebody. Help me. Help me today. When the Holy Spirit gets on you, there are two areas he'll touch. And the way you know it's the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of the world, is you're not talking about the problems of the present. You are talking about the hope of the future. And how those problems will not exist because the goodness of God is going to show up there and kill any Goliath that is in our path. How many of you can hear faith in that? So when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he's going to touch this and this. And when he touches this and this, it's, it's not just like this, this holy touch. Um, it, it is a touch that makes you dream. And it's a touch that makes you prophesy, talk about the future. And so one of the things you ought to do as regularly as you can is resuscitate and pump life back into your vision and dreams by talking about them, fellowshipping about them. And if you're you're married, this is one of the chief things you should do together is share those things. Talk about what you see. Like Abraham, Abraham, lift up your eyes from the place where you are. This is not as good as it gets. And see the land that's in front of you. God told him in that moment, all that you see is what I will give you. Interesting. If you don't see it, I can't give it. But if you see it, all that you see, I can give you. What do you see? So we were at dinner 15 years ago, just talking, and uh, in, in talking, we, we started going in this direction of, what do you see 10 years from now, five years from now? What do you see? And we probably spent, I'll say 20, 30 minutes talking about that and just dreaming aloud, which you must do. You gotta pray it out, talk it out, you gotta dream aloud. Um, and so out of that, we have this conversation, great dinner, great conversation. I remember it vividly because of what happened next. We get uh, back to our house and I, I walk out of the car and open up the door of my house and as soon as I cross the threshold uh, from the garage into the kitchen, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And while well, I say he speaks to me, I, I can just sense a discomfort. There's a, a disturbance in the force, if you will. Um, now, when you're a Christian, I, I, I heard somebody, a preacher, preaching about this, they said, you know, follow your heart. That's the worst advice uh, anybody could give you. And I started laughing because I understand what he was saying, but the truth is that's only half true. It could be the best advice or it could be the worst advice. Your heart. Well, somebody says, well, what makes the difference? The quality of it. If it's tender or if it's hardened, if it's got the spirit of the world on it or if it's got the spirit of God on it. Uh, And so out of this, the prophet in the Old Testament, Isaiah, he saw within somebody, and he saw a heart of stone, can't feel hardened, Um, saw a heart of stone, and he saw the Lord reach in and grab that heart and take out a heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. Well, what's the difference? A heart of flesh can feel something. You take a rock, you throw it up against a wall, you didn't hurt it. Uh, you take your flesh and throw a rock against it, you can not hurt it. it. It has, a heart of flesh has feeling. It can be bothered. It can be irritated. It can be cut. It can be wounded. And the prophet, when he saw conversion, somebody becoming a Christian, it's amazing prophecy uh, in the Old Testament. It's seeing the future, once again. It sees now a heart that can be, be touched and felt by God, that God can touch it. And so oftentimes when people say, like I heard from God, it's a wounding, it's a hurting, it's a cut, it's a disturbance, something bothers it. Uh, when you're tender tenderhearted, uh, there's a sensitivity there. Now the Bible also teaches us though in the book of Hebrews, and I I have this real big in my heart today. It's not my message, but I guess it kind of is because the Holy Spirit keeps bringing me back to it in all these services. But the New Testament teaches us in the book of Hebrews that if you are born again, you can also now harden your heart, harden your own heart, just like Pharaoh did, where you hear God speak to you. You, you feel him dealing with your heart, but you're not doing anything about it. You're ignoring it. You're not paying attention to it. Uh, you you are, are letting it slide. And the heart begins to harden. And when it hardens, it's just like, and your flesh can do this, right? Your flesh can harden. You get a wound. Uh, and as it's healing back up, it scabs over. And it gets hard, and you touch it and it's not flesh anymore. It feels like, you know, there's, there's something there uh, that's not you. It's now uh, something hardened over you. And your heart can have that happen to it. If you live in continual uh, rebellion and, and sin and s- surround myself with wickedness, and I don't want wickedness to sound scary, Uh, wickedness just comes from the term wicker, twisted. And the world will get twisted. The things in the world get twisted. It takes something good and makes it bad. And I invite those things in my life, and at first, it bothers me, it bothers me, it bothers me, but if it goes unchecked, my heart will harden. And I don't sense God anymore anymore. Oh, but you can be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And God can be incredibly real to you and not fit in a human box or construct that religion or other preachers will tell you he fits into, but he's real to you. And that's the way it should be. And I I walk in my house, I'm I'm at this time 23 years old. I walk in my house and I can tell I've, I've wounded the Lord. There's something there that's off. I've grieved him. I didn't know what it was, though. And so I I, I walk through my house, and I get over in my bedroom, and I walk in my closet, and I still have this, like, I, I did something. And I'm like, what did I do? And I'm trying to think, like, is there, you know, something in my life, a sin that I know about that's going unchecked? But I can just tell the Holy Spirit's trying to get my attention. And so when I get in my closet, I finally pay attention to the tension. And this is one of the things that if you're going to be an effective, spirit-led Christian, you're going to have to do, is when you get that tension, pay attention to the tension. When you're sitting in the car and someone comes up in your heart, don't just be like, why am I thinking about them? Like, <laughs> Pay attention to the tension. Pray for them. Uh, ask God, what is it? You remember Samuel in the Old Testament? Samuel's sitting there trying to go to bed, can't go to bed. There's all this tension in the air, and he hears God speak to him, Samuel. But God doesn't say, Samuel, this is God, and here's what I want you to do for the rest of your life. It's just Samuel. And he's wanting to see, will Samuel pay attention to the tension? And Samuel, he comes to Eli, and Eli tells him, when you get that tension, you need to pay attention to the tension. And when you hear God call your name, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so when you get that tension, like when something comes up in your heart, you're about to go in there and something is rubbing you. You're about to make that investment and something's rubbing you. Something doesn't feel right. Something's not setting right. Pay attention to the tension and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. I yield myself underneath your mighty hand. How many of you know life doesn't have to be hard? God can give you more grace. And you know who he gives more grace to? Those who humble themselves under his mighty hand and say, Lord, what I don't want today is your plan or is my plan. What I do want today is to be sensitive to your voice and your ways. Let me pay attention to this tension. And when Samuel does that, the spirit of God opens up and God begins to speak. It it turns more into just calling his name and over into something much deeper than that. And so I'm in the the closet and I have all this tension. I say, Lord, what is it? I can tell I've I've grieved you in some way. Just sensitive on the inside. I can tell I've, I've wounded you. And he asked me this question just on the inside. There was no, like, audible voice or, you know, like Kenny G music started playing in the background and light appeared in the top of the closet. Like, there wasn't any of that. Just on the inside, I heard the Lord ask this question. Who told you it would take that long? And I said, Lord, I I don't understand. He said, at dinner tonight, you and your wife were talking about where you'd be at in five to ten years. Who told you it would take that long? And I said, Lord, no one told me it would take that long. I just assumed, and this is the exact phrase I use, with the natural progression of things, in five to 10 years, that's where we'd be. Like we would have two kids, and it turns out we had three, but we had two kids, and you know the church would be here, and we'd be doing this, and we'd be here, he said who told you it would take that long and I said no one Lord I just assumed with the natural progression of things and he said here's the problem with that what you said you could, you, you could do in 5 to 10 years uh, was not taking into account what I can do everything you talked about in those five, 10 years of what you could do in your own strength, the natural progression of things. How many of you know the essence of a miracle is God going above the natural? It's like the cruise of oil should surely run out by now. And it's like, it just keeps pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. Uh, Why? Because it's God breaking the natural progression of things. A miracle is when it goes beyond the natural, that God's power is so strong, it confounds the wise. When's the last time you were confounded by God? Where it's like, I don't understand how he did it, but he did it. Like how this is happening to me right now, it's like, (laughs) this could only be the Lord. God said, that's what I want for you. I wanna confound your wisdom. Uh, And he's saying like, everything you just talked about are things that you could do if you worked really hard the natural progression of things. I want to go beyond the natural. He said, everything that you said that you could do in five to 10 years, I could do in one. And then he said this, and I never will forget it. He said, until your wildest dreams become tame, they will never come true. A wild dream becomes tame, they will never come true. And I'm like, Lord. He's like, everything you just said, picture it happening in one. And I started picturing all those things happening in one. I'd be like, that would be amazing. But I realized as soon as he said it, I couldn't see it. In my heart, I couldn't see it. Like, I didn't see how it could happen that fast. I didn't see how progress could be made like that. I couldn't see it. And the Lord said, exactly. That's a wild dream. And he's like, until it's tame, it can't come true. Faith tames the vision. So God comes to Abraham and he's like, Abraham, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make your name great. For whatever reason, Abraham could see that and God had no problem uh, with moving in Abraham's life speedily. You read Abraham's story and it's like, how can telling him, this Pharaoh guy, that this is your sister equal you being a millionaire? Like he walks in, it's like, what just happened here? And like a chapter later, Abraham's so wealthy, Lot's having to come to him and be like, hey, we've got to like talk about this. We have so much stuff. There's a strife developing between your herdsman and, and mine. and And Abraham, you know, fixes this, no problem. When he, when God, this is so important, when God tells him this, he can see it. And it happens fast. But God doesn't just tell him that. He tells him, and out of this, I'm gonna make you a family of millions. And he's like, God, I can't see that. And for 16 years, Abraham went childless. When God, it was such a wild idea that this could happen that when God spoke it to Sarah, she laughed. <laughs> oh man, what? Uh, like, and it wasn't like a joy filled, faith filled laugh. It was like, <laughs> that'll never happen. It was so wild. And it wasn't done. God had to tame the dream. And so God is constantly coming back to Abraham's life and making him envision it. Abraham came to God one day, and he's, he was so frustrated. You ever been frustrated with God? Abraham was. And he's like, why is this taking so long? And he was so mad at it. And like, and I wouldn't say so mad, but so frustrated uh, he was so frustrated with God that he, he shows God. He's like, look at all this stuff. Like, you blessed me with all this stuff, but I have no heir that I can give it to. It's all going to the servant, Eleazar. Like, he's going to get it all because this promise you've made me has gone unfulfilled. You know what God did? It's like, the problem is what you're seeing. He had to deal with the seeing even before he dealt with the saying. He said, the problem is, is what you're seeing. He said, come out here, Abraham come out here. Abraham walks out there. He's like, look up. What do you see? He's like, I see the stars. He's like, can you count them? I've been in the Middle East, uh, and like in the desert sands of Dubai, uh, in Egypt. And, and like, I love it because you get out there and when you look up, when you look up and it's nighttime, you can see all the stars. Like, and it's impossible to count them. He's like, can you count them, Abraham? He's like, I can't, Lord. He said, so shall your seed be. See it. See it. And he said, look down at the sand. Can you count the grains of sand? You try to pick up the sand and count just what's in your hand. Forget the grains of sand like on the desert floor. You try to pick up the grains of sand in your hand. You couldn't count them. And he said, can you count it? He said, no, Lord. He said, so shall your seed be. See it. And for 16 years, Abraham had to keep seeing those stars and see that sand until it finally dawned on his heart that God's promise was real. And when he switched being Abram into Abraham, a father of many nations, after this moment when it switched in his heart that that's who he was, it wasn't just something he was going after, but that's who he was right now. (sighs) I'm telling you, there are people even in this room right now, watching online in Highland Colony, the image of who you think you are is incorrect. I'm telling you, there is more than what you have shown us. And the reason why Abraham was not demonstrating to the world Isaac was not because God didn't want him to have it. And it wasn't because God was waiting for the midnight hour. It was Abraham got so frustrated with the problems of the present that he forgot the promise from God. And and he's so focused on his frustration of what God is not doing in the present that he forgot what God had said to him. And I'm telling you, when that got in him, that this is who he was, that's when it got on him. And all over this room today, like, and we can, if you can pull up just on the screen Mark chapter 5 real quick, I'll close with this. I want you to read this when you get home. This is one of the, the beauties of your time, is you're not just limited to what we have here. You can be a good student of the word of God and meditate on these things when you get home. But, but look at this, this scripture in Mark chapter 5 and verse 24. And Jesus went with him, Jairus, you know the story. People followed him, thronged him. Everyone's trying to get something from him. But a certain woman, which had an issue for 12 years, 12 years of frustration, suffered many things of many physicians. She was suffering. She had spent all her money, all that she had. She's broke. She's not getting any better. It's only growing worse. She hears of Jesus. She hears of Jesus. And she comes in the press behind, and she touches his garment. For she says, if I can touch but his clothes, I will be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched me? The disciples said unto him, you got Christians everywhere, Lord. There's so many people in churches. Everyone is thronging you. There's so many people thronging you, reading books about you, singing about you. You got all these people thronging you and you want to know who touched you. And he looked round about. He had to look around because faith is precious to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, Your faith, your faith, your faith hath made you whole. (laughs) Do you see imagination in this story? She is a suffering woman filled with present problems. She is broke, she is lonely, she is all by herself, and she is suffering every day with a physical condition that no doctor in the world can fix. Her life is filled with present promises our present problems but one day she hears something different she hears of jesus and she hears he's a god of miracles and he's a god who can release you and set you free from this bondage and when she hears this immediately the entrance of god's word brought light and something clicked in her and she says i'm not staying here When I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She's seeing it. Before she sees it, she's seeing it. Instead of seeing a future where she's going to die broken alone, she's seeing I'm going to be whole, and it's going to be by the power of the living God. She begins to see something different. And you know how it started? It started when she heard something different. And I'm telling you, you got to hear something different about yourself. I've been been talking to some people here recently and I'm like, golly, childhood hurts you. So many limitations develop there because here's the problem with what we see and what we hear, whether it's experientially or what we watch or listen to. What we experience, some of you experience things in childhood, some of you have, have watched things and heard things. Here's the problem, it doesn't just happen around you, it gets in you. And this is made even worse by the by the rise of all this new technology. Jesus said, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it'll be given to you. I I read that the other day and the Lord spoke to me. He said, Joel, what are you abiding in? Joel, what are you abiding in? I abide in my home, I visit the church, I visit restaurants. He's like, it's okay to visit, but you abide in your home. He said, what are you abiding in and what's abiding in you? And he said, one of the the biggest keys to just growing as a Christian, but also seeing the miraculous, being a person who is devout and, and filled with the Spirit of God, is what you choose to allow abide in you. And we have a world that I'm telling you, you know how rare it is that somebody allows this to abide in them compared to ESPN, Twitter, Instagram, Netflix, television series? Because here's the thing whatever you abide in, you have an expectation for. You abide in ESPN, you can't wait for game six. You have an expectation of what you're, you see it before you're even there. You're living in a world you haven't even lived in yet because you're abiding in something that's creating an expectation. You abide in news, you'll get an expectation for the future, and it's never good. It's never good. There's nothing good on the horizon of time. Because whatever I abide in, it creates a hunger and an expectation for and God is like, if you could get some stars and sand before your ears and eyes and look at this long enough until what is in here gets in here, it'll fix everything that should have happened when you were a child, and it'll push out everything in you that's a false belief about you, about me, and about everything else. And if you will abide in me, and if my words will abide in you, somebody says, are you saying all those things are bad? No, no. Thank God for, for, you know, news that keeps us informed and ESPN that keeps us entertained and like all of these other types of things. But we visit them. We visit them. But when they abide in us, it changes us. But when this gets in you, I'm telling you, it'll change you from the inside out. It'll change you from the inside And I just want to encourage you, go on that journey. From, from this day forward, I don't, I don't care what you've done up to this point. I don't care what, what has been said to you about you. I don't care what has happened to you. You can have a new start and a fresh journey by the mercy of Jesus and by making a decision that I will abide in what he has said to me. I, I feel like that there are people who are here and watching this or maybe listening to this later, and I, I really do sense this in my heart. You, you have... Given up on so many dreams. Given up on so much because you have forgotten what God spoke to you, and you have allowed a present promise to rob you, a present problem to rob you of your Isaac. You're not, you're not contending for it. You're not going for it. And I just feel like, if nothing else, the Lord sent me here at this eleven thirty service to arrest you and say, why did you diminish His promise? Why have you forsaken that dream? Why are we living within the natural progression of things? And how can we just allow the Holy Spirit to arrest us and say, no, I don't care what I gotta press through. I don't care what I gotta change. I'm not sitting here in this house any longer feeling sorry for myself or feeling like a victim. I'm gonna get up with the power of a living God and believe to see wholeness come into my life and believe that my future is not going to be me sitting in this house waiting to die, broke, But seeing God bring perfect peace into my life where nothing is missing and nothing is broken because of the power of the resurrected Christ contend for it fight for it maybe you need to go out and and go home and pray about those dreams Or, or maybe you need to have a dinner with someone and talk about those dreams or maybe you need to go back to like old prayer journals or old journals and remember who you are and to contend for it. Like Moses walking in the desert, settling for a life that was far less than what God had for him. And a burning bush just coming alive in a desert to show him you are more than what you have become. And it's not because of God or your sin. It's because you've forgotten your dream. And God wants to reawaken it in you by speaking it unto you again. You need to go back to what God has spoken to you in prayer and in this, and abide in it until it abides in you. And when it abides in you, it is only a matter of time before it comes on you, because if it gets in you, it will come on you. When I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. She sees it, and she was. I love you, church. I want to pray for you here at the Lakeland campus. At our online campus, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor John. And at our Highland Colony campus, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Ryan. And uh, we just want to close out our services today here at Lakeland. I'll close out this one. And uh, just bow your head, close your eyes uh, with me in this moment. I'm just gonna wait on the Holy Spirit for a minute and just kind of see if there's something he wants to do here. Maybe you're here today and you've just been so frustrated over a lack of progress. Wondering, God, where are you? just such frustration over the current season of life. And I, I just sense the Lord just saying it, it doesn't have to be this hard. Life doesn't have to be. There is grace. And today, if you will just humble yourself before him and just say, Lord, I want a tender heart. I don't want to harden my heart any longer. I, I want a tender heart. And let God speak to you. And so oftentimes, I I think we want God to speak to us about something to do, but oftentimes what God speaks to us is about identity, that you are not Saul, you're actually Paul, that you are not Simon, you're actually Peter, that you are not Jacob, you're actually Israel. And I know your parents may have called you this, but that's not who you are. And when God fixes and speaks to us about identity and that clicks inside of us, it makes all the difference in the world. But in each one of those examples, it took someone coming into proximity with Jesus and just surrendering. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, I need to surrender my heart. I need to surrender my life. I need to open up my heart to the voice of the Holy Spirit to help me in this season and to eliminate that frustration. If that's you with your head bowed and your eyes closed and the Holy Spirit's dealing with your heart right now, uh, no one is is looking or watching, but if that's you and you just wanna respond to, to the Lord and just say, Lord, here I am, I humble myself before you, if that's you, would you just lift your hand all over this place? Hands going up all over the room, amazing. I think we all could probably lift our hands in some way. Now, everybody in here, let's do this collectively. Let's just lift up our hands, if you want to, you don't have to, uh, but collectively, let's just lift up our our, our hands to the Lord today and surrender, and just pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I am done with frustration. (laughs) No longer, Lord, will I allow myself to be a prisoner to my present and a prisoner to these problems. Father, I say in Jesus' name, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the time for my release. Father, I thank you. You are releasing me from all the chains that have been on me. No longer will I allow myself to be a prisoner. But Father, I thank you. I am free, free from addictions, free from problems, free from this moment, free, Father, to see progress. And I thank you, Lord Jesus. I am seeing progress to hope and to my dreams and to your plan, everything that you have promised me, I thank you. I will see it come to pass in my life. This is my moment of release. This is my moment of freedom. No more depression. I renounce it. I give it up. No more bondage. No more frustration. I renounce it. I give it up, and I say, Lord, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I am free, Lord, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate today the goodness of God.